Well, amen. It is good to be in the house of God. Amen. Um, I'd like to just to publicly thank Pastor again for allowing me to uh, be a part of this conference. And, and uh, I'd like to thank Brother Charlie. Um, he helped me today. Amen. You say, wait a minute, you're the preacher. You're supposed to have all the answers. No. <laughs> um, I've never been big in music. And, um, but now, I like to sing these hymns and these songs. And, and I like to sing to myself and I like to sing in the car. Amen. But when you read this morning and, and it said, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now I know why my wife and kids always told me to please stop, Dad. Because <laughs> I don't sing real good. But... When I'm singing to the Lord, there's just something about it. And I'm going to have to get with the AP before I leave. You're going to have to teach me how to use that little symbol on my phone that has music symbols. I think that's where you can get music, right? And put it on your phone. And somehow or another, you can get it to a speaker that's in your vehicle. You'll have to help me. Amen. Uh, but I thank you for that. I really do, Brother Charlie, because... I guess I, I guess I really didn't realize the value of music. When you, when you began to, to speak about the talking to ourselves in the psalms and hymns, it helped me to understand, you know, all those hours. I've got, I think, 14,000 hours logged in the cab of my Chevrolet truck. Um, that's that's 621,000 miles, in case you're wondering. A little over a year, almost a year and a half in the cab of my truck. And I, I really don't listen to a whole lot of, of music when I'm going down the road. But I, I think I may change that. Because it, it does something to my heart. And uh, I am certainly thankful for it. Um, I like to pray about just about everything. And um, especially when I go to work on an old vehicle. Because old vehicles have a, lot of, a bunch of rusty, hard-to-break bolts. Amen. And if that wrench comes off when you're putting about 110 pound, foot-pounds of torque on it, your knuckles can really become ugly. I like to pray before I start. And a lot of times I find myself forgetting to be thankful after he let it all go the way I wanted it to. Um, I like to include him in the little things. I, I I pray, Lord, please give my vehicle mechanical soundness as I travel. I ask him to keep my engine running, my transmission shifted. I ask him to keep me safe from any accidents, keep my tires aired up. I remember Brother Michael pulling into my dad's house after a long drive. Uh, I don't remember. I know coming from Tennessee, it's about an eight-hour drive. It was late at night. Pulled into the driveway, parked, went in, got up, got a good night's rest, uh, came out the next morning. And there was a four-inch gash in the side of one of my tires, and it was flat. Now, I can promise you, I did not drive into that driveway and hit anything and the tire go flat. I had that four-inch gash somewhere on that highway a long time ago, and God just kept it aired up. Now, you don't have to believe that. You really don't. But I, ha I couldn't just do anything but praise Him. Amen. Praise him for a flat tire. Now, when I ask God um, to bless 
my trip going down the road. I'm speaking to him. And then he speaks to me and says, submit yourself to all the ordinances of the land. Uh, he spoke to my heart a long time ago and says, you want me to bless your vehicle? How can I do that when you're breaking the law? Um, I told you spiritual boot camp, amen. Uh, now, now, I know we're in the, the Wednesday night crowd, and some of you folks have not been coming to the services, and they have been incredible. Uh, and I do challenge you, please get the videos and watch them, okay? Um, these men, you, you've been gifted with a great pastor, with a great mind. And, and um, uh, you know, I was talking to another gentleman today, and he began to talk about the past and getting saved at an older age. Boy, it's so much easier to love the Lord when you've got all that behind you and you realize what he saved you from. There's a lot of children in this church and in churches that grew up in this Christianity. And you don't understand what it's like to be saved from. I just would encourage you, don't find out. Because it's no fun to be saved from. We're all saved from our sin, but you certainly don't need to be saved from a, a boatload of it, if I can put it that way. Amen. Well, tonight, if you have your Bibles, just one verse to launch off with. I'll use scripture throughout my messages. I always do. But Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, you may remain seated. I'll read my verse. It's a very familiar verse. And then I'll pray. And then I just ask, uh, ask you as well, while I'm praying, would you pray for me? Um, I spent all afternoon asking the Lord to help me with this, and I'm sitting there watching Brother Michael, and my eyes are burning. <laughs> uh, computer screens are wonderful, but uh, they do hurt you. My Bible says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, Father, I'm certainly grateful for the privilege to pray. I'm thankful, Lord, that I can invite you in Father, to this service, I know you're already here. We've uh, sensed your presence in the worship, in the, in the song service, in, in, the, in the devotion about prayer, Lord, and inviting you to be a part of our prayer in everything that we do. I'm thankful for it. Lord Jesus, now as we enter into the preaching time, uh, this is when I need your help the most because I'm here speaking for you, Lord. I'm in your place tonight. You need a body to speak. And I pray, God, that you would allow me to be your spokesman this evening. If there's someone under the sound of my voice, Lord, that's not 100% sure they're saved, Father, I pray tonight that they, through the Spirit of God, the drawing of your precious Spirit, would understand, Lord, that they need to humble themselves before a holy and righteous God and ask you to come into their heart. Lord, we'll thank you for Calvary in Christ's name. Amen and amen. My question I'd pose to you this evening is really, what are you looking for in your Christianity? What do you hope to get out of your Christianity? Um, have you been around someone that would encourage you to seek the deeper life with Christ, if you will? Or are you just satisfied? Is everything going smooth and comfortable with you? Um, I'm not sure what you're looking for, but I promise you, if you seek the kingdom of God in his righteousness, 
young people, if you'd listen real careful to this, if you would seek to please the Lord, I'm not talking about going into full-time ministry. That's not what I'm saying. We need good godly laymen, amen? Uh, but if you'll seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness in your life, all your wants, needs, and desires will simply fade into His. It's quite amazing. I just read this quote not 10 minutes before I got in my vehicle to come here. Faith takes what God gives. <laughs> that, that's, that's a pretty good bucket, isn't it? That's a bucket with no bottom. Because God will give us anything and everything we desire of Him. I'm not talking monetarily. I'm talking He'll give us all the peace we desire through that presence. Faith takes what God gives. I remember a young man in our ministry, and, and uh, I remember him talking to me about his salvation testimony. And uh, uh, he said he kept trying to do, to do, to do, to just to do, to try and do enough to please God. He said, I felt like I was climbing a rope to reach God. And he felt like I was just hanging there. And he said, just through one preaching service... He said, I realized that all I had to do was let go of the rope and fall into his hands. <laughs> oh, wow, that's incredible. You know, it, it, it's kind of like a magnet. Opposite ends attract, don't they? And I know probably all of us in here have uh, at one time or another played with a magnet where we're, we get the, the two positive ends, we're trying to put it together, and it's just pushing away like this, Right? Well, when you try to approach God in your righteousness, and His righteousness is real, there's going to be opposition. He's not going to want to help you much because you're coming to Him with what you think. Well, I got this thing. I walk right. I spit white. I dress right. I listen to the right music. I don't speed. I don't do this. I don't do that. And you're trying to get close to God, and He's pushing you away. You can't figure it out. You can't understand why you don't have that relationship, why you really don't want to pray, and why prayer meetings you struggle in, and, 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 and when the preacher's talking about this deep life, you can't quite understand it because you've never in your own prayer closet felt the presence of God because you're trying to come to God like this with your righteousness. But boy, when you got that opposite end, and you got that magnet over here, and it's a strong magnet, and it's strong, and you come over here when you're just as weak and, and humble as you can be and say, Lord, I need you. <laughs> you get a strong enough magnet, you cannot pull it apart. Galatians 2.20, also this book I've been reading uh, by Major Ian Thomas. It's an incredible book. The Mystery of Godliness. It's uh, the new book, the new copy. Of course, it's rebound and, and reprinted, but he put both of the, his books, The Saving Life of Christ. And if you're making notes and you like books, I promise you, this book, $9.99 on Amazon, um, The Saving Life of Christ and The Mystery of Godliness. <laughs> it is so incredible. And sure enough, just as I'm preparing... I come across that 
One of my favorite verses, Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Faith receives all God will give. He'll give you everything you want, starting with salvation. In the book of the mystery of, God, the mystery of Godliness, Thomas went on to say this. He said, it is the Holy Spirit who is diametrically opposed to sin. And only His presence introduce, introduces the liberating law of life. The flesh loves sin. Can I get an amen? The, the book of Romans is, a, uh, is, is some... Uh, that's the reason why the old men of God put the John and Romans together. Because Romans introduces you to who you are, sinful man. And, and then the book of John just introduces you to the Savior. He would go on to say, the flesh loves sin, and in all its most subtle forms, including our righteousness as filthy rags of the pseudo-piety, fake news as our president would call it, and self-advertisement. He says, stop being deceived into thinking that the flesh will ever change its nature. Its roots are always in the devil. We are not going to be able to change our nature by changing who we are. You can't change your nature by being a preacher's kid. Can I get an amen? You're going to have to make your own decision to come into the presence of God and to enjoy the fullness of it. You'll have to have your own walk with God. Now, I know one thing as a, as, a, as a dad, and Brother Charlie and Brother Michael, you both can attest to this. Men of God that spend their lives going to the prisons, speaking to young men across the table that are weeping, saying, I wish I had a dad like you. Listening to the stories, and, and, and I can't even, I wish some of them would just go away. In my mind, they're so heartbreaking. And, and then to, to see the children that have a dad that passionately and, and good Christian parents that passionately try our best to, to keep our children away from this. And, and honestly, I've failed. I, I've failed. I've, I've told Brother Michael and other men on several times, I, I tried to teach my children how to be Christians instead of teaching them how to love God. If I'd have taught them who he is and how to love him without saying, no, you can't go there. That's not what we do. No, you can't do this. That's, that's not where we go. That's not what we do. We're Christians around this place. He would continue by quoting Captain Reginald Wallace. Far too many people have shared in old Adam Improvement Society. It has been a bankrupt concern ever since the company was floated. And when the Lord comes, it will go into final liquidation. We're not going to be able to do this on our own. True repentance humbly admits that not only what you have done is wrong, but what you have done is the inevitable consequence of what you are. Unless what you are 
is replaced by the Holy Spirit by what He is. That's what you've got to look forward to in that book and much more of it. All I can do is pen down what Jesus had to say. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. When Jesus was alive, God had a body to lead wherever he was needed. Healing the sick and, and raising the dead and, and saying that raising Lazarus, this was just to display the power of God. I'm going away and I'm going to need you to tell the world. But then Jesus left. The body of God left. Went home. But aren't you glad? The breath of God filled every born-again Bible-believing Christian that's ever existed. And he now has an army of bodies to fulfill his work and calling which is the proclamation of the gospel to the entire world. Amen. The discipline that I've been assigned to because the Lord assigned it to me. And I believe he did that, Brother Michael. I don't know how many people, I can't even count them anymore, has sent me an email or or called me or, or, or just ran across me somewhere and said, are you Brother Van Horn? And, and they would tell me that decisions that they made because they learned about fasting. And, and I'm not lifting myself up at all. Believe me, I want to be the negative side of the magnet. I want to keep smashing into the drawing power and the presence of my Savior. And I want to, I want to dwell there. But because God allowed me the privilege to learn this concept and to teach others, there's been many prayer requests that's come to fruition. I taught on that concept about the partial fast, giving up coffee for, for Brother Chris Hooker. And, and a young lady in a youth department grasped a hold of that. And she said, I, I'm going to just start praying until uh, a friend of mine, uh, they've been trying to have children, had two miscarriages. I'm going to give up. I'm going to give up my Cokes until, until they get pregnant. And she came back and said, you're not going to believe this. Uh, but there was child. I said, Hallelujah. And then I would go to a, to a, a conference and, and I would tell a friend of mine how God had used that testimony. And man, it was just amazing what the Lord did. Hallelujah. The youth pastor I was talking to said, well, would you pray? We've been trying for years now. And I said, sure, I'll pray. And I began to pray one evening and I was on my knees and... And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, well, he said, you know, when there's two that agree it's touching any one thing on this earth, he'll hear and answer our prayers. And now you got this little old girl over there praying for this youth pastor, and I'm glad she's doing it. And God says, well, why don't you join in and give up your Cokes too? And I said, okay, I'll do it. But then he said, well, send them a letter. And let them know they'll be with child within a month. And I'm like, whoa, now wait a minute, Lord, you might be pushing this thing a little bit too far. But I got up just as quick as I could and said, okay, wrote the letter and sent it off. Can I tell you, about 25 days later, I got a phone call that they were with child. Hey. It's just amazing what God will do. 
absolutely amazing. One of the things I studied, of course, there's over 80 references in the fasting referred to in the Bible about fasting. I began to go down and see, and I found a pattern. And it's all the Lord, because believe me, I am not a smart person. I may have a doctorate's little degree, but I can promise you, I'm an old construction worker. I'm an old mechanic. I know what it takes to do the work to get the job done so you can get the paycheck. And I just read a whole bunch of books so I could get a little DR in front of my name so I could use that as a tool in my tool belt in my ministry, in my foreign ministry. The, they, the people on the foreign field, Brother Charlie, look up to that little DR, don't they? It, it was just a tool. But I'm thankful that that God would teach me some certain things in my study. And I began to notice verse after verse after verse had the number nine in it. Uh, Moses, when I'd gone up into the mount to receive the tablet tables of stones, even the tables of the covenant of the Lord uh, made with you. Then I abode in the mount 40 days, 40 nights. Neither did I eat bread nor drink water. Deuteronomy 9, 9. Now in the twenty and fourth day of the month, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting and with sackcloth upon the earth. Nehemiah 9.1. Daniel is recording of, uh, and of, of fasting and, and praying for his nation. And he said, And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. ashes Daniel 9.3. Jesus taught his disciples on fasting in, in Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 and 15. My knees are weak through fasting. My flesh faileth of fatness. Psalm 109:24. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the fast of the fourth month and the fast of the fifth and the fast of the seventh and the fast of the... God is interested in fasting. Uh, it shall be to the house of Judah joy and gladness and cheerful feast. Therefore, love, truth, and peace. Zechariah 8, 19. And he said unto them, This kind cometh forth but by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Mark 9, 29. A steady practice of fasting prepares you for anything the devil will hurl at you. Amen. And I asked the Lord, What does all of these nines mean? Well, as I... I uh, it, was in, it was down at Rusty Silvertooth's church. Have you ever been down to Fundamental Baptist in, in Livingston, Louisiana? It's where Brother Michael goes to church. And I was in the prophet's chamber. And just about that time, the horn honked. And I had to go be with a friend. And, and he took me over to his house. And I'm just, I'm just, that was before I knew how to do a search and, and find um, uh, all these stuff on the Internet. I didn't know anything about that. I said, do you have a book on numbers? And he said, yeah, I think I do. And when he got it, I about had a shout and fit. I began to study about uh, that number nine, and, and number nine basically is three times three, three signifying divine completeness, amen? Now, with that in mind, the number nine basically has the meaning finality in divine things. And God spoke to my heart and said, your prayer life is not complete unless you're fasting. <laughs> I'm just simple. I didn't understand all this stuff. But when he began to show those things to me, I know we talk about not getting a whole lot of God bumps and stuff, but I'm kind of getting them again up here. I still get them every once in a while. Amen. You know, it, when you go like this, when you want to hear somebody, you can hear a little bit better, can't you? But I'd like everybody in the auditorium right now to go like this for just a second. 
and see how much better you can hear what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Can you not hear just a little bit better? I, I think when you're adding fasting to your prayers, you're getting both ears of God. You see, David used the phrase, give ear, 12 times in the book of Psalms. The psalmist used the phrase, incline thine ear five times. Let my prayer come before thee, incline thine ear unto my cry. <laughs> Amen. By adding fasting to your prayers, it's like getting his full attention to your cry. His full, undivided attention. I don't know about you, but when my little girl comes home... And she's crying and she says, Daddy, Daddy. And she falls into my arms. I'd do anything to help her. And there's been some time, Brother Charlie, where my son came to me and said, Oh, Dad, what am I going to do? I dropped what I was doing. My, my, my little girl lives in Tampa, Florida right now. I talked to her on the phone today. If she would call me up and say, Daddy, I would be out of here in a New York second to run to my baby girl. How much more will our Heavenly Father come running to our rescue when He recognizes how serious we are? Go with me tonight to Esther, chapter number 3. The Lord directed me to the book of Esther, and, and if I had to tell you how I found this, I, 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 don't, I guess I probably wouldn't be able to. But it is right before Job. You can find it there. I, I really don't know where this, how the Lord directed me to it, or how I found it, other again than just... Just I studied and studied and studied the topic of fasting. We see, and I'll not read it all, but in Esther 3, chapter, chapter 3, verses 8 3 through 15, we know the, the story. If you don't, read, read the entire book of, of Esther as soon as you can. It's an amazing story. Haman devised this plan simply because Mordecai, Mordecai however you want to pronounce it, I've heard it pronounced both ways, would not bow down before him and give him reverence. And he says, okay, we're going to kill that whole bunch. Went to the king, tricked him, said that there's a group of people out there that's raising themselves up above you and they're going to overtake the kingdom. We got to get rid of them all. And he just said, we'll do whatever you got to do. We see that Esther named him this wicked Haman and I thought it was very interesting that that verse is found in Esther chapter 7 and verse 6. The number 6 really denotes the manifestation of evil and, and it is the number of man. And God being perfect, one God, all wicked man is missing is one God. You had 6 and 1 and you got 7 and it is perfect. Amen. It's perfection. Haman had, destroyed, had devised that plan and... And, and, and was going to kill all of the Jewish people. Now again, if you had a, a, a sign a nailed up on your mailbox that on a certain day of next month, it would be legal for the police to come by and kill you. You might go to praying. Amen? In chapter 4 of the book of Esther, we even see Mordecai with his clothes rent, dressed in sackcloth and ashes, and crying bitterly in the midst of the city. 
We know the sackcloth and the ashes is an outward demonstration of mourning. It's crying. Esther 4.1, when Mordecai perceived all that was done, he rent his clothes and put on sackcloth with ashes, went out to the midst of the city and cried with a loud and bitter cry. It appears to me as if he decided to complain and act as if the people were already doomed instead of trying to do something about it. Through a series of events started by Esther, Go out and see why Haman's out or why, why uh, Mordecai's out there crying, would you? Notes were transferred back and forth. And then she found out what the problem was. Now she was given an opportunity to do a great work for God, but it also came with the risk of death. She, like most of us started to come up with as many excuses as we could not to serve God. Uh, well, I might lose my job if I say something about Jesus. Now, everything has its place. Don't take your employer's time. Do it on your break. Amen? Don't, don't be a thief and take your employer's time and talk about God on his time. Can I get an amen? Is that not right? We're to be honest, uh, upstanding Christians. Don't steal his time. Steal yours. Use yours. And all the king's servants and the people in the king's province do know whatsoever whether man or woman shall come to the king in the inner court who's not called. There is one law but to put him to death except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter that he may live. But I've not been called to the king to come or I have not been called to come in under the king these 30 days. Maybe she was remembering what happened to Vashti, the last queen that wouldn't listen. But now... The cousin Mordecai had her attention. He reminded her, look, you're a Jewish lady too, my dear young uh, friend. And uh, you're going to get taken out. And he went on from crying to trusting. Because then he said, for if thou altogether holdest thy peace this time, at this time, then shall their enlarged deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Esther knew she must have help from a holy God to intervene in her case. And this is why in chapter 4 and verse 16 she would say, Go gather all the Jews that are present Shushan and fast ye for me. Neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so will I go in to the, uh, in, so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. Now I want you to notice very carefully that fasting is a form of worship and communication with the Lord separate from praying. She did not say, go gather the people together, fast and pray. She just said, fast. We need both ears of God. We need to see how serious this thing is. Now, what did she do in that time of crisis? Amen? How did she know what to do in that time of crisis is what I want to try and get across. Brother Michael, it's almost 8 o'clock. If I could have 10 more minutes, I, I, would, I would do my best to, to get... Is everybody okay with that? Amen? Um, this can be answered how she knew what to do. In Esther chapter 2 and verse 20, Esther had not yet showed her kindred nor her people as Mordecai, Mordecai had charged her. For Esther did the commandments of Mordecai like when she was brought up with him. Esther was raised in his house. 
He brought up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother, and the maid was fair and beautiful, whom Mordecai, when her father and mother were dead, took her for his own daughter. It was cousin. It was her cousin, but yet a younger cousin, enough where Mordecai brought her into the, his house and trained her. He was no doubt a man that feared God. Um, the whole reason the Jews were in the mess they were was because he was obeying the law of God. And he's, I'm not going to bow down to you, buddy. My, my book of the law says I'm to bow down to no man. Nobody. I'm sure when tough times came into the house, um, when little, little Hadassah was around and they were having family devotions and and something was happening and Mordecai was, was teaching their children, listen, we, we're just going to have to fast. We're, we're not going to have supper tonight, kids. We're just going to have some time when we, we meet with the Lord. And, and while you're praying, would you, would you just pray specifically for this? He taught them. He taught them. Esther prepared spiritually for the task that would determine the destiny of God's chosen people by practicing the fasting like when she was brought up. For Esther did the commandment of Mordecai like when she was brought up with him. Oh, dear church family, teach your children to fast. We have a nation that is in dire need of born-again, Bible-believing saints of God that have the full armor on, the full power backing us, and ready to attack the enemy with all we have. And that's all God will give us. When you read the entire book of Esther, you'll see that God answered their fasting. Mordecai was, was honored. <laughs> Who is this guy in this book right here? Has anybody ever honored him? And then the king says, what would you do, Haman? I'm paraphrasing. You've got to read the story. It's incredible. Well, man, I'd give him your best robe and your best crown, and I'd put him on your best horse, and I'd parade him all through town because his righteousness, boy, he thought he was something. Him and the king were coming together, but the king's righteousness and his righteousness weren't, weren't meshing, and all of a sudden... The king says, great, go do that to Mordecai. Woo! You tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor. And as you continue to read, you'll find out Haman was hung on the gallows he built to have Mordecai hung on. And you'll find out the Jews were spared. It was a critical time in the life of the Jews, and it took drastic measures of faith in the fundamentals produced with magnificent results, as promised. As long as you allow God the privilege to provide the results He chooses. Uh, you may have heard, and I told the story of my very first fast, being called into fasting, and how I fasted for 17 days for, uh, uh, for a PowerPoint projector and a laptop computer back in the year 2000. Very first uh, PowerPoint projector that was ever introduced to the Rock of Ages came through a 17-day fast. When I showed that to, to our leadership, they're like, whoa, next thing I know, everybody's got one. I said, hallelujah, amen. When I saw the power of that, 
I was reading about King Hezekiah in the Bible, how King Hezekiah had a great illness and he went before God and prayed and God gave him three more days. I got happy. I'd been praying for my wife now, well now over 33 years for this and back then probably uh, on the upside of over 20 asking God to heal my wife from headaches. When my wife had uh, Joshua, uh, she got a sinus headache and it has never gone away. Uh, they talk about adrenal fatigue, they, just all kinds of sorts of different... We've exhausted the medical field, we've exhausted the iridology, footodology, all kinds of odologies and, and herbs. We, we've really almost tried it all as far as I know. Um, and I said, Lord, I want to fast and pray for my wife because I want to change your mind like Moses changed your mind and he didn't destroy all the people. You didn't destroy uh, the nation of Israel for, for making that false God. And God, I want to see if I can't get you to change your mind. You see, because I'd asked him what that third day was. He promised me, Brother Charlie. He says, I'm going to heal Paula. He said, I'm going to heal her on the third day. And I, I really did. I got happy. I'm in, I was in Atoka, Tennessee, uh, in that little prophet's chamber at the First Baptist Church. And I'm on my knees. I said, thank you, God. What's the third day? And he says, well, the first day was the day she was born. He said, the second day was the day she was born again. He said, Mike, I'm going to heal her the day I bring her home. And I didn't want to hear that. And I said, Lord, you've got to change your mind. But can I tell you something? After 40 days of fasting for my wife's health, the headache never went away. So I am satisfied and content with the fact that God wants her to have that headache. And so is she. And then it taught us, and he said unto me, My grace is sufficient. For in weakness my strength is made perfect. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. How could I complain? How could I complain? I, I want a ministry. I've asked God for a ministry where I could reach people. And do something great. And then I find myself in, a, in an international ministry. We have 70 partners in, in 10 different countries in Africa. We're building churches in Cambodia. I, I'm, I'm, I'm teach and that just, I just reminded myself. I'm, I'm teaching tonight at 1030 in India. Via internet. Thanks to the COVID. Over 40 pastors will tune in as I teach the addiction program. It's absolutely amazing what God's doing. Now, I wonder what would have happened if I had sat around in sackcloth and ashes and cried and complained. How serious are you and how bad do you want God to answer your prayers?